0: Hello, and welcome to the Accountability Coach podcast, where we discuss proven business success principles related to helping you make more money and work less so you can enjoy having your ideal business and ideal life. This is Ann Backrack. Today we have a special guest with us who can help us be even more organized so we can get even more done in a shorter amount of time which means this gives us more time to make more money and do activities that we really want to do. Miriam Ortiz-Epino is a certified professional organizer. Actually, one of the first in the world, as a matter of fact, and a simplicity expert. Most people don't realize they feel stressed and overwhelmed all the time because they're disorganized. Being organized is actually a powerful tool in helping you get control of your external space, which will help you scale your business, build your wealth, take more vacations, and have more freedom. Welcome, Miriam. I appreciate you joining us. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I like to just get right into it and really pick your brain here. So let's start out with, you know, statistically, Give me an idea of how much more productive we can be, just on an average. Is there a way you can give me that information? Well, I'm not really sure how to measure that, and I'm not sure anyone ever has measured
1: how much more productive people are. But I do know that, on average, my clients find about two extra hours a day in their time when they stop having to look for things all the time. Well,
0: that's quite substantial. I'd say that sounds pretty good on average. (laughs) Yeah, and that's just from
1: the, you know, knowing where your things are. That's not even, you know, how much time you're also saving from systems and things. So it's cumulative, and it's very much an exponential
0: results from incremental progress. Yeah, I mean, if we can get back two hours a day, that could be a huge benefit to us in so many ways. Yeah, it's several weeks a year. Exactly. So what are some of the first steps that we can do to even start to be even more organized?
1: Yeah, well, the first thing is to get rid of all the things that are in your way. And by get rid of, I don't mean rearrange them, I mean actually eliminate them. I think that's where a lot of people mess up, if you will, if you will, about getting organized, is they just try to hide all the stuff they have and get it out of the way visually instead of actually getting it away because it turns out our brains, our unconscious brains still think about the stuff that's in the drawer. If it's a mess, they still think of the mess in the other room. Um, and so the more you can actually look at your items and get rid of anything that's not necessary, the more bandwidth and energy you're saving your brain. That sounds good. Any other tips? Um, well, the first one. Yeah, the first one is is to get get rid of the things in your way. The second one is to really get clear on what you need to do your job or the work you're doing. Uh, if it's a chore, if it's a craft project, if it's your actual work, get really clear on what are the things you need to do that and have only those things handy while you're working on it. And then I would say everything
0: else that's around us, right? That we (laughs) know it's like going back to
1: kindergarten, put your toys away when you're done working with them, grab the next bin of toys you need for the
0: next project. It's that same concept when we work. That makes total sense. So you talked about our brain. So what is Mm -hmm. the connection between our mindset and being Mm -hmm. productive?
1: Yeah. So knowing what you need to do and what order you need to do it in is slightly different for different kinds of people. There's three ways our brains process information. And some people really need the list and they just go to the next thing. Some people need a group of things they can pick from. And some people are really going to want to understand the context and what's the next priority as they organize their time. But mostly, We want to start with the end in mind, and it's mindset before mechanics. So often we enter into a work project feeling frazzled and like we're not very good at something, or we are overwhelmed by all the other things we should be doing, and that interferes with your actual productivity. So it's about setting yourself up for success, whether it's the actual organization of the things you need to do the work, and or clearing enough time and space to do it in. And little things like setting up, is the music or noise level correct? Is the door closed or open? Like Knowing how you yourself works best um, is something most people don't factor in until they really start struggling and they have to. So get kind of clear and understand your work style and work with that, along with Creating the the clarity and being oriented about where your things that you need to do the job are
0: So I like what you said about you know, it's mindset before mechanics. Yes It's like I'm learning something new. I
1: can do this. i I've got this I've done it before What what do you what's the self-talk that goes into your work? Um, and it's surprising how many people are like well, I'm just not good at that. Well, is that true? Or is that your way of avoiding it or trying not to take responsibility for it? Honesty is a big thing in being productive and organized. You know, not everybody is a morning person and needs to get up in the middle of the night to have their fabulous miracle morning. Some people need to do that later in the day, but figure out the concepts around various productivity instruction and use what works for you. Um, It's a fantastic place to experiment and be curious about how things work. And you'll eventually stumble upon the great things. And by studying people that have already gone before you, it speeds up the process. You're not creating it from scratch. You're taking the best of various programs.
0: Yeah. And then you talked about, you know, people saying these things, their mindset, I'm not good at blank, whatever that is. And the more they keep telling themselves that the more they're reaffirming (laughs) that they're not good at blank. So they have their mindset has to change
1: in Mm -hmm. order
0: to actually be then productive because they can be good at something if they choose to be. Yeah, it's there's something to
1: act from where you want to be, not from where you are. There's something, you know, even basic little things like I'll just set this down here for now. (laughs) What is for now? Like, why doesn't it go all the way to where it belongs for now until you need it instead of now you've created a secondary step that you've got to now create time to move it to the place it needs to be. And the same thing with scheduling. You know, I it makes me laugh every time I'll ask a brand new client, you know, like, well, what's your schedule like? When would you like to work? And they say, well, let me just move around these 12 things. I'm like, or we could start on a day and time that you have availability. <laughs> like, Why make it harder on yourself by rearranging things? Again, it goes back to the rearranging instead of dealing with, and that that's a huge time saver, just getting in the habit of taking care of things right now real quick, when it's a right now real quick, and or scheduling it into a block of time where you have the space to deal with some of those bigger issues, but knowing that
0: you need to schedule that kind of work every day at some point. Now, that's that's brilliant. So give me an example of how we could actually stop worrying about all the stuff we have to do all the time and then get our mindset focused on, hey, this is really what I need to be doing now. Yeah. So there's a whole process called, you know,
1: getting your master list together or brain dumping. And it's a great way of working with the way our brains process information to just download all the stuff onto a list and have a set defined place where you're going to keep that list and where you're going to keep adding to it. This is one of those things that people think an app is going to help, but really, especially this first time you're offloading all this stuff, there is a benefit to handwriting it. Eventually, Moving the the tasks that you keep are it's fine to move them to an app but I think for the process of Creating the getting oriented to just how many things are actually on my list. It's important to handwrite it and It's everything everything that's been keeping you up at night every project You are in the middle of or think you need to start last week all the things you'd like to buy check out all the asks from other people like all the things so it's in a safe place. So your brain isn't constantly accidentally flinging them into your consciousness so you don't forget. Right. We want to clear the conscious part of our brain for the deep work of creating um, whatever it is you create. So looking for a safe place to keep it is really helpful. Once you aren't looking at twenty seven or eighty three different piles of miscellaneous notes written on post-its or backs of envelopes or legal pads around and in five different apps, you have one place to look when you need it. And it's safe there. And you can capture idea, new ideas as they occur to you while you're doing other work so you don't forget about them. I think getting in that habit of triaging from the master list, what you're actually going to work on is the key to being productive and effective in your work, no matter what it is it gives you the opportunity to change your mind as well when you can evaluate each thing against all the other things instead of just picking and choosing and then realizing you forgot a key part of something. But the funnest part of the master list is when you look through it and begin to categorize and group things so that you're working on similar things at the same time, you start saving more of that incremental time because your brain is in the the mode to make phone calls right now, or it's in the mood to write a bunch of things right now. And at the same time, the more often you look at some of the things, the more often you're likely to say, I'm never going to do that thing. Someone else suggested that thing. That's not my thing. I don't need to do that thing. And you can cross it off. So it becomes a self-correcting list. You're working on the things that have to get done and you're eliminating the things that you're never actually going to do.
0: Yeah, I like that. I actually created what I call a prioritized action list, or PAL. So it's Mm -hmm. basically the master task list, but always items are in priority order. So you know what you should do first, second, third, so you don't Mm -hmm. have to scan the list up and down all the time. You just start at the top, and as you add items, you put them Mm -hmm. where they actually go. Because so many Mm -hmm. people, a lot of times, just put things on the bottom of the list, right? And then they've got to reprioritize everything. Yeah, and then the get rid of those sticky notes. I had a client once who basically made notes every time she was thinking of something, and apparently she drove a lot, and she found napkins that she would write on. So she'd come back to her office and give her assistant a pile of napkins. Right. With her action items on it. Yeah, the
1: funny thing is, if you know the history of the Post-it note, it was actually designed to be a routing slip. You know, when you used to hand off things for your assistant to copy and then they'd have to go to various people around the building, they were routing slips. So they were able to be pulled off the page when you copied it and put back on the page so you could remember who you were going to give things to. It's a temporary note. They are
0: never meant to be permanent documentation holders. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember those routing slips because, you know, you did put names on it or sometimes they were printed. And I, I remember being in offices. <laughs> I guess that yep. dates me a little bit. <laughs> you know, we're a little bit older. <laughs> <laughs> and wiser and smarter, right? right? There's that for sure. <laughs> How do we establish basically the best space that we mm-hmm. need to create our best work so we get the outcomes that we actually want? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so it goes back to understanding a little bit of how you work. Like, do you have any executive function issues that need to be addressed? I have ADHD, so I have a swivel chair, so I can rock around on my chair while I work. But other people don't, and they don't need that. So start with how you work. The second thing is, I very much like the reverse engineering. What is it you need to do the work? Put that on your on your cleared off desk first and then add in anything that might be motivational or decor, but keep that stuff to a minimum in your workspace. I, I'm i a big fan of decor. I went to interior design school. I have lots of art, but it's not on my desk. It's up on the walls. It's in the other room. There's a few pieces that I find lovely, but they're functional. You know, the pencil cup, the, cup that holds my glasses and my lip balm, you know, whatever it is that you need that makes the things you need to do the work handy is where you want to use your decor and, and make things pretty. I can't tell you how many desks I've gone in to work on and everything on the desk is about remembering something else and nothing about the work. And then they don't have room to do the work because it's full of all these memories of things past or vision things for the future. So the, think of your desktop as your current be present in the moment space versus all the other stuff that might be on your desk. It's surprising how much more focus you will have if you're not always thinking about the past or the present while you're working. I mean, past or the future. <laughs> you want to keep the future in mind, but you want to
0: be in the moment while you're working. Yeah, you want to be laser focused on what you, what's at present, what you currently have going on for sure. Exactly. And even,
1: you know, if you're in a more um, office setting, you know, I once worked with a woman that had all the pictures of all the places she wanted to go on her board in the office setting, and her boss did never take her seriously because she always thought that she was on her way out. So there's subtle clues that the things on your desk give and a well organized uh, workflow desk is going to make the best
0: impression if you're in that situation. What strategies do you recommend for staying accessible when people want us, but yet still being productive? It's called boundaries.
1: (laughs) Um, It's boundaries of when you're available for interruption versus when you're in deep work. I'm all about the open door policy and except for a a block of time or two a day, depending on your position and what kind of work you do, where you have uninterrupted time for 90 minutes to three hours, whether it's closing a door or hanging a sign on the edge of your cubicle or telling your kids to go away and outside for an hour, you know, however you can find that time where you're not actually being notified and interrupted. I think is the best way to go about it, but being available all the time is never the solution. Um, Unless someone is on fire or bleeding out, it's not an actual emergency. It can be important, but it's not an actual emergency. So it helps you not react to other people's urgent and be reactive instead of, I mean, be responsive instead of reactive. And then everybody gets a better result you're interrupted to take care of the new thing, you're worried about the thing you just left to do the new thing, and then you can't refocus. It takes, on average, 17 minutes to refocus after you've been interrupted. So just save yourself 17 minutes by saying you're not interruptible for the next hour.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, definitely 17 minutes can add up if you constantly are interrupted versus having boundaries and just an available time when, you know, the door is open for people to contact you and talk to you about what they want.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm a big fan of like open office hours. Like if you got something for me, come to me during this time. And if you want to have other like reports, like having, People that report to you or reporting you have to do for someone else having very clear boundaries about how that's presented and when. Just telling people save all your questions till this time of day allows them to come ask you two or three questions at a time instead of just one at a time setting you up for 17 minutes each time.
0: So that's that can be really time saving as well. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. I definitely like that. What are your thoughts about, you know, emails? I get questions about emails all the time. How to handle emails Mm -hmm. when I have staff or if I don't have staff, like what's the best time and how do you recommend we handle emails?
1: Yeah, funny you should ask. I actually have a lovely freebie for people if they're interested at morethanorganized.net slash one minute mail. It's all run together and one is spelled out O-N-E minute mail. It is about processing incoming information. So it works for mail and email. But basically you want some sort of triage system, like what are the different kinds of things you can do with information and having a block of time where all you do is triage the mail and then a separate block of time, often back to back with when you triage, where you process the mail you have to process. I typically do one deeper work thing and then check my email kind of mid to late morning, and then I respond right after lunch. And then I do another quick check at the end of the day. And by quick checks, I'm talking I set a timer for 20 minutes. When I do the two checks, well, the check in the morning, the processing, I set how much time I'm going to use for that depending on how much I have to respond to it's typically another 20 minutes. And the end of the day check is literally like five minutes, it's just to make sure nothing urgent came in at the end of the day. That needs a response before i leave yeah i turn off all notifications i don't have any social media or email notifications i check all of those things on my own time when i decide to go in and i never go into social media without a timer because uh, you know adhd i get a little lost in it sometimes and that just reminds me to get out of the deep dark hole that is the social media what works for you i think that we're at the point where when I first started work, we had the telephone and that was the only way to get a hold of people and we didn't even have voicemail when I was a little kid. So you had to just call again and tell someone answered. Now we have about 87 different ways to contact each other every single day. And so now you need to make time to connect in all those different ways to keep things from falling through the cracks. So the best solution is to consider it all communication time. And set a timer and check all the different places you might have messages is my recommendation.
0: Good. I love it. This is all great. Yeah. What do you run, <laughs> run your business old school. Run your business old school with a new with a new school slant. <laughs> exactly. Do you have any thoughts about how I can find a local or virtual person to help me be more organized? Yeah. And I can
1: go on and on a, about this, so please cut me off if you need to. Um, (laughs) There are a couple different levels of professional organizers, and so you need to be aware of that. Social media has given rise to a whole group of people that will work to help you put things in containers and put labels on them. That's not the same thing as setting up a system for you. So depending on what you need organized, you may need to go a level or two up from that. I create systems for my clients and help them set up workflows so that they save a lot of time and money and effort. And I'm a member of the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals, which I highly recommend is a great place to start when you're looking for things. It's napo.net They have a directory that will put you in touch with the people that are the best fit for your situation. I love recommending my fellow NAPO members because they, abide by a code of ethics. And they tend to have a deeper training. Having said that, if you struggle with chronic disorganization, there's another organization that that goes really deep in the psychological issues of that and and can be helpful for those people. It's ICD. And I'm sorry, they've just recently changed their URL. And I don't know it off the top of my head. But it's the Institute for chronic disorganization. And if you're looking for someone f- for a lighter thing, like you're fairly organized, you just need help setting something up that you already have a structure for. You can look online and, and at the various directories, but I can't vouch for people that you find on Thumbtack and, and Howes and all those things for, for their level of education. So just know that you might want to ask a few questions about how they got into it and what training they have. And I find, especially for people in business, it's worth investing in someone that can help you with the systems and the setup, because when we go to work for ourselves, often we don't realize that we were using someone else's systems, and in the new environment, you don't know how that system was set up in the first place. And so that can be a huge productivity and time saver, just knowing that there's actual methodology in setting up the workflow systems for a business. And if you work at home, you want both to work in conjunction with each other. So you're not constantly worried about the laundry in the other room or the work you should be doing instead of folding your laundry.
0: Yeah, it sounds like we could even be looking, depending on what we need, for two different types of people, right? So it could be somebody, hey, that wants, we just want to clean out something, which is a totally different person than somebody who's really going to help us be productive and organized.
1: Yeah. How much
0: coaching
1: do you feel you need To go with it, there are not as many organizers that are also coaches and can help you develop the habits. So if that's something you struggle with, look for someone that that's also a coach and or can work in conjunction with your existing coach.
0: Yeah. And creating really the systems for an organization increases the valuation of the organization. And a lot of people I don't know if they realize that. Yeah, it becomes a sellable asset of your business if you have a system
1: and can hand it off to new owners if they buy it, or if you take it IPO, it it becomes the the manual that gets evaluated and the the whole structure gets built on. So yeah, it's important. It's way more important and it should be at least begun earlier in the process than you think. Um, A lot of people go into it and then go, I'll put the systems in place later once I have clients.
0: It's like they need to start at the same time. Yeah, I would 100% agree. Any other thoughts about how to help mm. us be even more organized and time efficient? Yeah, consider it important. It is
1: the foundational thing. It is not the thing you do after everything else has happened. It's the thing you do so that the other things can happen easily and quickly and with less effort. And so it's it's a foundational Situation You want to set yourself up for success, not try to create success and then
0: set up your foundation after the fact. That just doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah, it makes no sense to me either. I was talking to a lady the other day, even, and she said, I'm all over the place. And as she was talking to me and I was asking her questions, she is all over the place. And I said, You've got to have a game plan and a foundation or you're Mm going to constantly be all over the place. And she wanted to fix that, but she didn't have any kind of structure or game plan. Yeah. So I work with a lot of creative
1: entrepreneurs and they're always hesitant to put too much structure. They think it's going to stifle their creativity and it's not. It is the thing that will set you free to be more creative because you're actually getting down to the creative work without worrying about all the other stuff. It's, the flexible framework that's going to keep you from going off the rails. It's not meant to hinder. It's meant to put enough constraints that you can actually get the work done and take some of the spin out of your brain so that
0: you can process the ideas you have. Love it. Love it. Some great, great ideas, Miriam. I really appreciate your time today because I know it is valuable and sharing your great thoughts with us. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Just remember to take advantage of Miriam's One Minute Mail solution so it can really help you be better at handling your email. So you want to go to thanorganize.net forward slash one minute mail. Well, my hope for our time together with Miriam is that you got value and an idea or two that will help you be even more successful professionally and personally. Feel free to share my podcast with others, as obviously it can be found at accountabilitycoach.com as well as on most podcast platforms and in most English-speaking countries. And if you'd like to get a short daily fix from me, subscribe to the Accountability Minute, which can also be found on most podcast platforms and in most English-speaking countries. And remember to subscribe to my proven business success tips and resources blog by going to accountabilitycoach.com forward slash blog. And always aim for what you want each and every day. Until next time, make it a great day today and every day. I appreciate you listening.